All right, Kingdom City. Let's be praying into that throughout the next few months and God getting us ready for uh, the fall kickoff with that full signage name, everything in alignment so we can be uh, known in our city with our new name. We're excited about that and encouraged about the new territory it will open up for us. And I just want to invite you into this get ready moment for us as a church. You know, we've been saying in this series all along that God is preparing us for something. He's trying to get our attention, and I think he's got our attention. He wants to show us who he is and what he can do through his mighty power. And he also wants us to know who we are and what he wants to do through us. And I think that God is actually calling us to expect great and extraordinary things from him. When we step out in faith, when we trust his word and trust his promises, he is going to show us that he can do whatever he says he'll do. And today we're wrapping up this series that we've been in. It's called Get Ready. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, the end of the chapter. You might remember that last week we looked at something called revival prayer from chapter 1 in Ephesians, in which we discovered that God is ready to reveal things from heaven to his people. And, And when we see those things, when the veil gets lifted, then we understand what is ours by inheritance in Jesus. And when we step into our destiny, God shows us the strength that he has in our lives to sustain us so we can do his will. I'm going to read our passage for us from uh, Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. And we're going to go through it once, and I'm going to ask you to personalize it with me right after that. So the words are on the screen. Take them into your heart right now as the word of God to you. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right. We want to personalize it now. Whenever you see the word we, use the word I. Whenever you see the word us, use the word me. And let's declare it together out loud. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in me to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) I think there are some really precious things in this little passage here that I want to unpack for us this morning. I think there's three things and they go like this. Am I ready for more? Am I ready to dream And am I ready to release? Am I ready for more? Because this is a more passage in the Bible. There's, There's abundance in these words. The God that we believe in is a God of great extravagant blessing. Amen? He's not short on his ability to pour grace and goodness into our lives. It's as if Paul the Apostle is doing all he can here in this little letter to kind of end this section with the right words. I think he almost got out of breath for a moment. I think he was trying to grasp for the right sounds and the right words to say things the right way. And no wonder, because what he unloaded in chapters 1 to 3 is stunning and huge and massive in what it calls the people of God to. These words here at the end of chapter 3 are known as a doxology. I don't know if you know what a doxology is. We used to sing it in the little traditional church that I grew up in. We would sing it at the end of the service. And we call this a doxology because really it's a worshipful wrap-up. It's Paul saying, I want you to know something even better now that I've shared 
uh, these other words with you. It's a burst of praise and honor to God for his goodness. It's like he's saying, get ready. There's more. And we can go on from here into greater revelation, uh, greater capacity to be used by God. These two verses have been anchored into the church of Jesus throughout all of Christian history. Augustine quoted these words. Martin Luther and John Calvin waxed eloquently on the, on the doxology here in Ephesians chapter 3. Reformers and revivalists and renewal movements have found these words to be galvanizing and full of strength. And God is using them today to shape us. This doxology, this benediction, this blessing that Paul gave is something that the Spirit of God is using right now in our own midst. Paul gives some really awesome words here in the first three chapters. I want you to kind of flip open your Bible at chapter 1. And we're going to kind of trace some of the highlights here in the first three chapters. And after I mention one of them, I want to invite you to say good news. Because it's really, really good news. It tells us in chapter 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Is that good news? That is good news. We've been chosen and predestined before time began to be the people of God. That's good news. We can receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That is good news. We have an inheritance in the heavenly realm that we can draw from even now. That is? It's good news. It gets better. The working of God's mighty power is at work in us in Christ through his spirit in our inner being, and we have been raised up to sit with Jesus in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. It also says in chapter 2 that we are God's workmanship. We're his work of art. And it also tells us in chapter 3 that the church confounds, confounds the realm of darkness in the celestial uh, area where you know, above this world where, where God is at work with angels and, and there's demons there, the church is confounding those works of darkness. And we have a great empowerment that's ours through the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, which is talked about in chapter 3. All of this is good news, good and great news. Paul mentions all of that, and then he kind of wraps it all up with these these incredible words again, now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. And I can hear almost, you know, the, the, if Paul had a secretary or an amanuensis as they called them back then, uh, if he had someone helping him write this letter, I, I think the secretary would have turned to him and said, Paul, those are really good words. They're going to last, man. And he's like, really? Yeah, they're going to last. People thousands of years from now will be reading out those words. It's a get-ready moment that these words are talking about. It's like Paul is saying to every group of believers, are you actually ready for more? More in your own life and more in your own church? Because you have everything that you need. There's nothing holding you back. You have a glorious destiny to fulfill. So get ready and get going on it. And you'd think that every single church, every group of believers on earth would want to step into that. But how many of you know that's not how it goes? It's not the way it goes. How many of you know that there are believers who don't step into their destiny? There are Christians who don't lay hold of their inheritance. 
there are men and women who profess to be followers of Jesus who don't grab hold of their true identity in the kingdom as sons and daughters. Some churches end up getting stuck, getting sick, getting sidelined, probably because of a number of reasons. One of them would be, I would call it the the disease of religion. Religion, a spiritual facade in the church, pretending to be spirit-filled people, but not really being spirit-filled people. This happens when there's kind of like a a rigidity, uh, an attachment to forms more than an attachment to the presence of God. There's also the disease of relational turmoil, when there's no unity of the Spirit being kept in the bond of peace, when people are backbiting and wounding one another. Or there's the disease of bad doctrine, when there's error in the church, when when there's not a complete gospel being taught, people suffer. They suffer. They don't get to hear all the blessings and all the benefits of knowing Jesus. Whatever it is, it's not good. And I think there are boatloads of churches, if I can say that, it doesn't make sense really, but there are boatloads of churches that are full of stress, full of inwardness, a lack of compassion, no Holy Spirit given vision for what God is calling them to do. That is exactly why there must be renewal in the church. That is exactly why we as a church are committed to continuous, increasing renewal where revival never ends. It's got to be continuous, and it has to be increasing, because revival just gets the church back to its normal position. That's where we should be, and we should never leave that place. So we're all about that, continuous, increasing renewal where revival never ends. We want to be normal. And God is saying in this passage, hey, church, are you ready for more? Are you open to more, more of what God wants to do, more of what only he can do? Paul says, With these few little words here, something that's very interesting. He says, now unto him who is able. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. How many of you know that when you run out of your own strength, when you run out of your own energy, when you run out of ideas and patience and perseverance, or whatever it is that you might run out of, how many of you know that at that moment God is able to do exceedingly abundantly? above all that you ask and all that you think. Paul's using words here to convey the idea that far beyond our wildest imaginations, God is capable of doing things that we can't do. And so Paul's asking here, really, are you ready for more? Are you ready for more? How many of you want to be part of a church where God's power and his presence are the focus and and that which enables us to do what we do, not programs? We want to be a church known for the presence of God. It's like when Paul went to Corinth and he started speaking to them. He said to them in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, I did not come to you with wise and eloquent words from the wisdom of men. I didn't come to you with with those kind of words. I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. All I wanted to know from you was Jesus Christ and him crucified. I wanted to know that he was your focus, and I wanted to bring to you in your midst a demonstration of God's presence and power. Can I just remind us that when that starts happening, we really are the church? When that kind of work is taking place, it's a work of God? I want to be part of a church that can only be explained by God. I don't want to be part of a human institution that does cool things 
and relies on its own strength and its own humanity to try to look good. No, I want to be part of a movement of people who are saturated in the presence. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 18. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will build it. Nothing's going to stop it. My church, he's saying, always advances. My church, the true church, the real church, the real body, the real bride does not fade away and fall apart in history's corridors of time. My church, says Jesus, will advance and be built and it will overcome because there's more. There's more happening in the church than what can humanly be described. And God's working in us in the area of more. You know, in chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And the word workmanship is the word poema in the original language, and it means work of art. Poema. We get poem from that. It's like God is saying, you people, you believers, you are my work of art. You're my, you're my expression of creativity. I'm painting a story through your life. As a work of art, we're people who are called to reflect the beauty and the goodness of God. And we want to shine for him, right? We are the city that is set on a hill. We are that city that, that is set apart, that group of people that are salt and light in this world. And we have a message and we have a ministry to enact. Yeah, sure, I'll take those. I got something I want to share with you from Erwin McManus here from his book called Wide Awake. And he talks about this idea of being a work of art. And here's what he says. When it comes to the future, our lives are more discovered than determined. For most of us, walking with God is a mysterious journey of faith and a discovery. I wish that the moment we entered a relationship with Jesus, God would send us a memo that spelled out everything. Erwin, this is what you need to do and give your life to. Here is what you're going to be really good at, and attached is the paint-by-numbers version of how to create the life of your dreams. He says this, life is not a color within the lines project. Life is a work of art. You have to keep mixing colors, creating new blends, and seeing things in fresh ways. You must be willing to get paint all over you. Life is about growth, and growth demands change. Are you ready for more? Are you ready to change? Are you ready to become even more so the person that you were destined to be? Here's another thing we need to engage in from this doxology. Are you ready to dream? You know, Paul said, above all that we ask or think, God is able to do these things. Uh, one translation puts it this way. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. That's the message. Passion translation puts it this way. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. So let's have some fun here for a moment. It's good for us to do that. Let's take a moment to use our sanctified imaginations. Start to dream by faith a little bit about what does the future look like? And as you start to do that, I want to ask you, how much can you ask God for? How big of a request can you make of God from your life? I would say this on the basis of Scripture and what it says, 
that as long as you were willing to meet the requirements of what you asked God for, as long as you were willing to obey God and the conditions of his promises, you can ask him for huge things. And I think he's waiting for that. I think God is waiting for his people to rise up and say, there's got to be more than this. It's time to dream again. So Lord, by faith, I'm going to ask you to do what only you can do and to do it in my lifetime. Do it through me. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Hmm. How many of you can relate to that? Oh God, I really want this to happen in my life. I'm really tired of this not going well. And and God's like, yep, why don't you ask me for it? Or God, I really want this to happen in my dating relationship. I, I really want it to go in a certain direction. And God's like, yep, I see that, but why don't you ask me to do that? Or God, this is happening in my, in my business and I see it needs your touch and I'm really struggling. God's like, yep, I see that too. Why don't you ask me for something? We have not because we ask not. But those who ask and keep on asking, they receive. Those who knock and keep on knocking, they get what they're seeking for. How far can you lift up your imagination by faith and start to dream and anticipate and believe, God, yes, in my life, I want, I want to see you do amazing things. I want to see your glory transforming the world around me. It's a bold request. John Knox of Scotland got to that point in his life where he, he sought the Lord and he said, God, give me Scotland or I die. And God gave him Scotland in revival. George Whitfield called on the Lord and asked him to, to light up his life like a fire so that there would be a great renewal spreading all over New England, and God used George Whitfield. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance Movement, back in 1877 or so, was crying out to God and asking God to do something really amazing, and, and he was a Presbyterian pastor in a church in New York City. He'd come to the point of exasperation. He had illness in his life. He was sick. He, was, he had no energy, but he had a desperate faith. And he cried out to God in those years of his life saying, God, would you use me to start a whole missionary movement? Me, here, New York City, A.B. Simpson. Would you use me to release a whole bunch of people into the deeper life of Christ? And God took him up on it. And we're here because of that because of a desperate cry for more. Friends, this passage says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's beyond our imagination what God can do. He is able, he has the capacity to change things in your life and in your circumstances and for your future. Are you ready to dream again? You know, many of us in this church have been dreaming by faith for the last five years or so asking God to prepare us for a level of faith and encounter with him in which he will use us in great ways. Here's some of the dreams that I hear from the people of this church. They're not just my dreams, they're your dreams. We dream of cars being lined up on the south end of our city on the highway, that there's a traffic jam there because so many people are arriving at the airport and they're trying to get to this church building on a Sunday because they know, and they're sick, they know that if they get here, the chances are good that they will be healed miraculously. Yeah, we see that by faith. We see the lineup of the cars down the highway. 
We dream of youth and young adults going all over the world with the gospel of the kingdom in creative and bold ways. We dream of worship teams writing songs, making albums for the glory of God in studios to mentor the next generation of worship leaders. We dream of doing high-stakes medical and compassion relief work in the hot spots of the world so that we can set prisoners free and heal the brokenhearted and the sick. We dream of planting an international church in key cities of the world that will also be called by the name Kingdom City. We dream of the glory of God being so thick in the outpouring right here that it goes on and on and on from one generation to the next. It's exactly what Paul was getting at here. To all generations forever and ever. See, we can't be a throwaway church. We can't be a temporary church. We've got to be a church that is signed up for the long haul until Jesus returns. Amen? Signed up for the long haul. This is a place where God is radically about to reveal himself in amazing ways. Habakkuk 2.14, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I pray that verse over Airdrie. I pray that God on this piece of dirt, this terra firma, may the glory of the Lord fill this land. May your presence be so strong here on every church and every group of people that names your name and everybody that's hungry for you that nations will pay attention to us. That people will come here from all over our province and our nation and other places to be part of what God is doing here. We dream of things like that. I read my Bible and it says, He is able. (laughs) He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or dream or imagine. He is able to do it according to his power that is at work within us. That brings me to the last thing I want to share here with you. Not only do we need to be ready for more and ready to dream, but we have to ask ourselves, are we ready to release? Because what God gives to us isn't just for us, right? It's not just for us. It's not even just for our kids. It's for everyone in this world. It's to be released in our city, in our region, into every corner of the globe. So Paul puts it this way. It's all according to the power that works in us. According to the power. And that word power that Paul uses here is an interesting word. It means the inward working of God. His energy inside of you. Not so much power on you, but power from within you. The workings of God's mighty power within you. It's all according to that. And I think that that means to us that there is a condition for us to be good releasers. We have to be willing to have this power flow through our lives. And that might mean that we get hungrier. That might mean that we get thirstier for the river of the Spirit. It might mean that we recognize areas of our lives where we're the blockage, where we have, we have shut down the activity of God by our own, perhaps, disobedience or our lack of faith. I want to share with you a story from one of my heroes in the ancient world. His name is Oswald Chambers. Anybody know Oswald Chambers? My utmost for his highest that daily devotional. Oswald Chambers wrote that after he had a powerful encounter with God. He got to a point of desperation in his life where he, he, he realized there was more and that he was dry on the inside. And he tells this story. 
He says, those of you who know the experience of the baptism of the Spirit know very well how God brings one to the point of utter despair. I got to the place where I did not care whether everyone knew how bad I was or not. I cared for nothing on earth saving to get out of my present condition. You ever been there? You just don't care anymore. At the end of a little meeting, after singing, Touch Me Again, Lord, Chambers said, I felt nothing. But I knew emphatically my time had come, and I rose to my feet. I had no vision of God, only a sheer, dogged determination to take God at his word and prove this thing for myself. I stood up, this is at a renewal meeting, I stood up and I said so. That was bad enough, but what followed was ten times worse. After I sat down, the speaker who knew me well said, that is very good of our brother. He has spoken like that as an example to the rest of you. Up I got again, he said. I got, he said this, I got up for no one's sake, I got up for my own sake. Either Christianity is a downright fraud, or I've not got hold of the right end of the stick. And right there, standing up, he claimed the promise of Luke eleven thirteen that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God will give him to you. He said this, I had no vision of heaven or of angels. I had nothing. I was as dry and empty as ever. No power or realization of God. No witness of the Holy Spirit. But something changed after that. Further on that week, in his biography, he tells how he went and spoke in front of people, and the Spirit fell on the whole room. And people came up to him and said, put your hands on me and pray for me. And he imparted the Holy Spirit through anointing and prayer upon people. So monumental was the change in Oswald Chambers' life that he wrote this later on. He said, if the previous years had been hell on earth, these four years have truly been heaven on earth. Glory be to God. The last aching abyss of the human heart is filled to overflowing with the love of God. Love is the beginning, love is the middle, and love is the end. After he comes in, all you see is Jesus only and Jesus Ever. Wow. So today, are we going to ask God for more? Are we going to dare to dream? Are we ready to release the kingdom of heaven here on earth? God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within you. It's to him that the glory goes. All to Jesus for now and for every generation. Friends, our God is a great God. He's so awesome. He's so full of goodness and love and truth and holiness and mercy. When we stand in His presence, when we soak in His Spirit, we're receiving His divine love poured out in new ways. It changes our lives. I believe that God is saying to us today, Kingdom City, I am with you. I am in you. I am for you. Watch me as I lead you. Trust me as I point you forward. Respond to me as I take you into the next season of my will for you. Today is the day to say, Lord, I'm ready. And I don't want to miss the outpouring. I don't want to miss the moment 
of your wonder and your goodness displayed all around me. So I'm saying yes to that. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. We're going to close in prayer later on. I want you to open up your heart. Sing as a way of expressing your faith. God, you're so great. You're so incredible. You're so good. I'm waiting upon you for what you're going to do next.